Hey, City Church, I want to say hey to my City Church family, and I want to say hey to those of you joining us who are our guests. Uh, I hope that this message today will be encouraging to you and uplifting to you, uh, because as many of you know, as we continue facing this ongoing coronavirus season, when there's so many aspects of our lives that are out of our control, I want us to talk today about an area of our lives that we can control, and that is the words that we speak. Do you think the words that we speak are important? Are they significant? You know, there's a children's nursery, nursery rhyme that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Do you think that's true? Has that been true in your life? I've not found it to be true in my life. In fact, in my 30 years as a pastor, I've come to see that words can and do hurt people. Sometimes it may just hurt their feelings and they get over it after a while, but sometimes hurtful words can transfer, transition, and, and harm the course of a person's life. Consider what happened to a good friend of mine, and he did give me permission to share his story with you. He told me that throughout his life, he struggled in school. And he told me he had, had this overwhelming sense that he was just incapable of doing well in school. He told me he felt stupid. In fact, he told me that he had that phrase going on in his mind. Ah, you're just stupid. You're just stupid. He told me that he had a hard time getting out of high school. He just barely made it out. He tried to go to college. But he told me after his third semester, he eventually uh, dropped out because he was on academic suspension because of his grades. He eventually turned to drugs and to alcohol abuse to numb his pain, but he said nothing seemed to help. He had gone to psychologists before who had given him meds for ADHD, but he said nothing seemed to help. He continued to feel stupid and he had that phrase going through his mind, ah, you're just stupid. Well, he eventually became a follower of Jesus and his relationship with God changed so many areas and aspects of his life, but that one area didn't change. He continued to struggle with feelings that he was just stupid. So he went to see another counselor and as that counselor began to ask him questions about when he began to feel stupid, they, they were able to figure out when this all began. It happened when my friend was in third grade. And in third grade, he had a teacher that was working with him and he was struggling with some assignment. And that teacher said to him, you're just stupid. She didn't make him feel stupid. She actually spoke those words to his face. You're stupid. And those words, they went deep into his soul. And it wounded that little boy's soul. And he never got over it. It wrecked his life. Have hurtful words hurt you? Maybe the words of a spouse or an ex. Maybe the words of a teacher or a coach. Maybe the words of a boss or a coworker. Maybe the words of someone who you consider to be a friend. Have hurtful words hurt you? And then let me ask you about your words. Have you hurt others with your words? Maybe you spoke a bitter, hurtful word to a friend who hurt you. Maybe you spoke words of gossip and, 
it caused a person to lose their reputation. Or maybe you spoke divisive words that ended some relationship. And then, of course, I want to ask all of us, how are we doing with our words in this shelter-in-place season as we're going through this coronavirus? Today, we're going to look at a portion of James's letter, the letter we're studying, where he addresses the power of words. Now, as you know, we're studying a letter written by James, the half-brother of Jesus. And he's writing to followers of Jesus who are going through trying times themselves. And under the pressure of those trying times, what's in them is coming out of them. And what was coming out of them is hurtful words. And these hurtful words were hurting their relationships. And so to these struggling believers, James wrote these words. This is James 3 verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what he says is perfect, able to keep his whole body in check. Okay, so the, the first truth I want us to notice here is that essentially James is saying that we all stumble at times, we all are at fault at times with the words we speak. And it's interesting that James uh, includes himself in this challenge that we all wrestle with in life. And so a key aspect to getting control of the words that we speak comes when we acknowledge that we all struggle with the words we speak. There are times when we have hurt others with our words, and I think it's important to admit how much the words of others have hurt us. And so... Uh, being harmed by words is a common experience to us all. And if we could all be honest, at times we all have hurt others with our words. And so next James uses two analogies that'll show us that if we can control our tongues, we can control our lives. This is James 3 verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, the pilot steers it with a very small rudder to go where he wants. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. In other words, it has a great big impact. And so James notes how a small bit that goes into a horse's mouth can steer the whole animal in the direction that the rider wants to go. And then he points out how a small rudder on a boat or a ship steers this large ship to go wherever the pilot wants it to go. And his point is that if we can control our small tongues, we can impact the way we express our lives. We can impact the way we treat others, the way we make others feel and the way uh, we treat others with our words. And that's why in his letter, if you remember earlier, a few weeks ago, James sort of laid out uh, the theme verse, the theme statement for the rest of his letter. And I, wanna, I want us to remember what he said. So this is James 1.19, where James wrote, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Can you say that with me? Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And so in this part of his letter, he's focusing on the slow to speak part. 
Because a key aspect of controlling your tongue, controlling the words you say, is being slow to speak. Because think about it. If you're slow to speak, you have time to process, what am I getting ready to say? And why am I getting ready to say what I'm going to say? And you have time to decide not to say what you want to say. And so that's why it's such a very powerful tool and such a very powerful discipline to become slow to speak. Now, next James points, uh, paints a picture of why it's so important to be slow to speak and so important to control the tongue. You ready? This is James chapter three. With, uh, we'll begin with verse five. <clears throat> the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. And here's his point. The tongue, though it is small, it can create a big destructive path in our lives. Now, many of you know that my daughter, Anna, for numerous years now, lives in Los Angeles. And a few years ago, she got to see or, or, or witnessed two of the worst wildfires in California history. The first was called the Ranch Fire that started in July of 2018. It destroyed over 400,000 acres of land and destroyed 280 buildings and houses. And then just a few months later, the campfire ignited destroying over 18,000 houses and tragically, tragically taking 86 lives. And what's interesting is that both of these devastating wildfires started with just a spark. One was started when a metal hammer hit a metal stake and one started when a, a power line touched some dry grass and the fire just ignited. One spark can ignite to create a big destructive fire. And James is using this analogy to try to get us to feel and to believe in the powerful impact of our words. He's picturing the tremendous destructive impact our words, especially hurtful words, can have in other people's lives. And so here's in essence what James is saying. Don't speak a spark. People who are slow to speak don't speak sparks. I'm going to say that again. I think that's, it. that's his point. People who are slow to speak don't speak sparks. When, you, when you're slow to speak, you have a chance to consider what you're saying. You have a chance to hold back what you're wanting to say, what you feel like saying, especially if you're feeling hurt or you're feeling some kind of emotion and you know you're getting ready to say something you shouldn't say and you don't want to say. When you're slow to speak, it helps you not to speak sparks. Now, I remember an incident where the president of my seminary was glad that he didn't get to say what he wanted to say. Now, Dr. Charles Swindoll is a famous pastor. He's a famous Bible teacher. Uh, he's a, he's a multi-million selling uh, author. Uh, he also has his own nationwide radio program. And at the time, he was the president of my seminary. Well, anyway, Dr. Swindoll uh, tells the story that he was at a large Bible conference teaching uh, in Southern California, which is where his home church is. And uh, the, the 
the building where he was teaching was just packed. And so he said he was speaking what he believed was a very meaningful and moving biblical message when out of the corner of his eye, he noticed a guy sitting on the front row who kept falling asleep. And he said as he continued his message, continued you know, teaching and, and inspiring people, this guy kept falling asleep on him. And he said he got madder and madder and madder. And he, he had this thought going, and it's weird when you're a speaker, you can be speaking one thought, but thinking another thought. He said he was thinking, the audacity of this guy to come to this Bible conference and come sit on the front row and go to sleep on me. Well, anyway, when he finished with his message, uh, he was standing in the, in the front of the stage and people were coming by and greeting him and some were asking him questions. And he noticed the guy that kept falling asleep was in line to greet him. And so he decided, I'm going to give that guy a piece of my mind. And so as the guy got closer and closer, he was fuming inside. And the guy finally reached the front of the line, the guy who'd been falling asleep. And before Dr. Swindoll could say a word, the guy stuck out his hand and said, oh, Dr. Swindoll, Dr. Swindoll, I'm so grateful that I could come and hear you in person today because I'm dying of cancer. And one of my last wishes was to get to hear you in person before I die. <gasps> Can you imagine what would have happened if Dr. Swindoll had spoken what he wanted to say? Now, can I just acknowledge how I appreciate the humility of Dr. Swindoll? Because the only reason we even know what he was thinking and what he was getting ready to say is because he told on himself. And he told on himself because he realized how ugly the words were in his heart that were getting ready to come out. And can you imagine the, the destruction that could have taken place in the, the life of that terminally ill man if he had said what he wanted to say? And can you imagine how he would have felt if he said what he wanted to say and then found out the story of that man? That's the danger of speaking a spark. And it's situations like this that is, is why it's so important for us to become a people who are slow to speak. And it's especially true when you know you're feeling angry and you can tell that the words you're getting ready to speak are angry words. Because when, you want, when you're feeling angry and you want to speak, you're probably getting ready to speak a spark. When you speak angry words, they are normally destructive words. They are not redemptive words. Now, I've been honest with you guys over the years about my own struggles with anger. And one of the things that I noticed, you know, when I finally admitted that I was an angry person and that I was struggling with anger, I realized how often my anger was expressed through angry words. And so a part of my journey of finding freedom from the anger that was controlling me was learning how to control my tongue, learning how to control my words, learning how to become slow to speak. Because people who are slow to speak don't speak sparks. So in the next part of the letter, James transitions from telling us why we ought to become slow to speak into teaching us how we can get control of our tongues and the words that we say. So this is James 3, verse 14, where he writes, If you harbor bitter envy 
and selfish ambition in your hearts, and that's, that's an important part of what he's saying. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. In other words, you gotta admit that it's there. For where you have envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. And in this context, the disorder and evil practice relates to destructive and hurtful words. And what James says here, it's so perceptive. He's saying, if you want to get control of your tongue, if you want to become slow to speak, you have to deal with your heart first. Because whatever is in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And his words remind me of that great uh, truth that Jesus spoke when he was on the earth. It's recorded in Luke 6.45 where Jesus said, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And here's the point James is making and, I, and Jesus made earlier. If you want to control your tongue, if you want to guard yourself against speaking hurtful words, if you want to become slow to speak, you have to deal with whatever issues are going on in your heart. Because whatever is in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. So, so let, me, let me help us all see what, what James and Jesus, what they're both talking about here. If you have bitterness in your heart, what's going to come out of you is bitter words. If you have anger in your heart, what's going to come out of your mouth is angry words. If you have selfishness in your hearts, what's going to come out of you is selfish words. And if you have hurt in your heart, what is going to come out of you is hurtful words. Folks, hear me on this. Hurt people hurt people, especially with their words. And that's why here at City Church, we are so committed to helping all of, our, all of those who join the journey, helping all people find freedom together. And a part of the journey of finding freedom is going back into your life and getting healing from the hurtful actions and the hurtful words that have come into your life through other people. And we have found that if you can go back and you can redemptively deal with those hurts, those actions, and those words that have happened to you. And as much as you can, find a place of healing. You can get free from their impact. The way they impact how you live, the way they impact how you make decisions, and the way those past hurtful actions and words impact the way you speak today. Please hear me on this. Whatever is in your heart right now, it is going to come out of your mouth. Please let us help you find freedom from the hurtful parts of your heart. And it'll change the way you speak. And at this point in the letter, James now moves and he, he begins to cast vision for a new way of thinking about the words that we speak. And so he writes in James 3, 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Isn't that beautiful? And here's what James is saying. When you get peace in here, when you get peace in your heart, peace is what comes out of your mouth. 
And he says to do that, you have to get this kind of wisdom. If you look at the verse again, it's a wisdom that comes from heaven. And he's talking about getting God's perspective on all people that you're related to in life, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors. Because when you can get God's perspective on all of those people, you'll love them the way God loves all people. And when you love all people the way God loves all people, then you're gonna treat them differently and you're gonna speak to them differently. And instead of speaking hurtful words, bitter words, jealous words, selfish words, you'll speak other words. When you get peace in your heart and you get the wisdom that comes from having God's perspective on whoever that person is, you'll speak peaceful words. You'll speak life-affirming words. You'll, you'll speak joyful words. You'll speak merciful words. You'll speak kind words. You'll speak encouraging words. And above all, you'll speak loving words. And when you get to the point where, where those are the kinds of words that naturally come out of you, it'll change your life. And according to James, you will reap a harvest of righteousness with those kind of words. And that's the kind of life you want to experience. That's what we mean around City Church when we say City Church exists so all people can believe and thrive in Jesus. This is a part of thriving in life. And so City Church, a part of rising up, a part of rising up and getting control of our tongues means we have to get control of what's going on in our hearts. Rising up means becoming the kind of people who speak words of life, who speak words of light, who speak words of peace, who speak words of love. And rising up means not only speaking uh, good and peaceful words to people in person, it also means speaking words of love and peace on social media. In fact, I think in the area of social media is where we all need to be especially slow to speak, whether it's email, texting, or other forms of social media. I found that uh, that is the area where we need to be the slowest to speak. Because I've noticed on, on social media that some people who even call themselves followers of Jesus will say some of the most ugly, hurtful, judgmental words that I don't think they would say if they were standing in front of those people in person. I think they say it because they're, they're behind the safety of their screen. And I think that's a dangerous thing. And so City Church, a part of rising up means controlling our tongues and controlling our texts. But rising up also means if we have hurt others with our words, I think it means we need to admit that and go to the people we have hurt with our words and ask for forgiveness and as much as possible, make amends with them. And so I'm asking you this week, if you know, as I've been speaking this message, if you know that you have hurt someone with your words, maybe somebody in your family, maybe somebody at work, if you know you have hurt someone with your words, I'm asking you, first of all, ask God for forgiveness. And then secondly, go to the person you have hurt and just hum humbly make your confession and ask for their forgiveness. And if you can't do it in person, I understand they may be in another city and you can't go see them, then I'm asking you to do it in written form. Do it in an email or a letter and write out your confession and ask for forgiveness. And then let a close friend look at the letter or the email before you send it just to make sure your words convey what you intend to convey and then send it to the person you have hurt. 
Rising up means making things right with the people we have hurt with our words. But rising up also means uh, forgiving those who have hurt us with their words, even if they've not asked for it. This is such an important truth and principle of Jesus. Uh, one, of the, one of the key teachings of Jesus' ministry is to forgive others even if they haven't asked for forgiveness. And here's why. Because if you don't forgive someone who has spoken hurtful words into your life, those words stay attached to you. They, they, they plague your mind. But if you will forgive the person who has hurt you with words, it releases you from the power of those words. And I think secondly, not only forgive the person who hurt you with words, but reject those hurtful words. I think it's important to reject any hurtful words spoken into you. You can reject them by saying, I don't believe those words, and I refuse to let those words, whatever they were, define my life any longer. And if you forgive hurtful words and reject hurtful words spoken into your life, I promise you, you can get beyond them. Now, you remember my friend's story who I mentioned earlier, how for decades of his life were just, uh, he lived under the burden of the words spoken to him, you're stupid. Well, this is the rest of his story. These are his words. One day I sat down with a counselor to talk about some issues I was facing in my life. While I was talking with her, Without giving it any thought, I said, oh, I can't do that because I'm stupid. She stopped me and said, wait, why would you say that? And I said, well, say what? She said, well, why would you say that you're stupid? And I said, well, because I am. Because that is what I believed. I didn't even give it a second thought. I mean, I knew God loved me and I knew he created me, but I also believed that he had made a mistake in me. Some people are smart, some people are stupid, and I was one of the stupid ones. So I told my counselor the story about what my third grade teacher had said. The counselor stopped their whole session and prayed for me. She spoke words over the hurt little eight-year-old boy inside of me. She spoke words of truth. She spoke words of love. And I could feel the walls begin to break down. Then she looked at me and said, you are not stupid. And I immediately began to weep. The next day, I could tell something significant had changed. Something healed inside of me. I spent 20 years believing that's what somebody else said about me. 20 years of failure, 20 years of self-loathing, 20 years of hurt. But in that moment, God started to heal my heart. I still sometimes battle with these thoughts. But now when I do... I hear the words of truth. You have been beautifully and wonderfully made in God's image. And I choose to believe the truth. Isn't that beautiful? Today, some of you need to reject hurtful words that have been spoken into your life and receive the truth. And would you give me the opportunity to speak some words of truth over you even now? Consider these words of truth from the scriptures. You are beautifully and wonderfully made in God's image. That's who you are. And according to the scriptures, you are the salt of the earth. You make this earth, this world taste better. 
According to the scriptures, you are the light of the world. You make the world a brighter place. According to the scriptures, you have been chosen by God and adopted into his family. Whether anybody else chose you or not, God has chosen you. That's who you are. According to the scriptures, you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. According to the scriptures, you are a friend of Christ. According to the scriptures, you're a part of the body of Christ. According to the scriptures, you're a temple. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God loves you so much that he sent his spirit to dwell and dwell you. According to the scriptures, you're a new creation. The old things have passed away. New things are coming. According to the scriptures, you are God's masterpiece. That's how he sees you. He sees a beautiful work of art, unique and beautiful in your own way. And according to the scriptures, you are loved by God right now, just the way you are. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And let those words of truth heal the wounded places of your heart that we all become a people who speak words of love and life. Would you let me pray for you? So Lord, I, I pray for all of us who have ever been hurt by hurtful words. And my prayer is that these truthful words will bring healing into our hearts. I pray that words of truth would break down walls. I pray that words of truth would heal wounds so that our hearts would be strong and pure and peaceful so that our words would be strong and pure and peaceful. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.